Welcome to Politics is Everything, the podcast of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. I'm Kara Ong Whaley. From the authentic to the hyper-construed, from taking serious public issues and concerns to the utterly nonsensical and absurd, Kyle Condick, Miles Coleman, and I share what we think are the best and worst of campaign ads, campaign moments, and candidate moments of the 2022 midterm elections. What made your best and worst political moments list of 2022? You can share them with us by email at goodpolitics at virginia.edu or tweet at us at center number four politics. Enjoy the episode. We, we came up with three categories, the best worst campaign moments, the best worst candidate moments, and the best worst of campaign ads. Um, we also want to give a hat tip out to the 12th annual RRH Elections Election Turkey of the Year Awards for a great list. I'll tweet out a link to that list. It's fantastic. Um, uh, but so let's start off with uh, campaign ads. We also want to hear from those of you tuning in. So feel free to tweet at us. And I am going to scroll the the uh, comments and see um, what you all respond. And if they're not overly partisan <laughs> or too harsh, I will share them on here. All right. Best worst category. Kyle, what's the best worst campaign ads you saw in 2022? Um, I mentioned this one during the campaign. It just sort of stuck with me because it was, it, it really exemplified sort of a kind of ad and the, the candidate who ran it actually ended up very narrowly losing one of the last races that ended up getting called, but it was Adam Gray, Democrat in California 13. And he ran this ad with um, a bunch of Republican county sheriffs from uh, cent- uh, sort of Central Valley in California, where his district is, uh, basically, you know, sort of talking about how he's supportive of law enforcement. I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican. And so am I. We're for Adam Gray because he's tackled crime. No BS. Adam has been an incredible partner to law enforcement. Adam funded the crime task force, arresting 50 cartel gang leaders. Cracked down on sex traffickers. And got us more funding to keep our neighborhoods safe. He's helped me and countless other sheriffs in this state. Adam Gray gets it and gets it done. I'm Adam Gray and I approve this message. And this was the sort of kind of ad that Democrats used to um, to kind of to try to uh, break through against you know Republican attacks on on sort of the crime messaging and um, you know frankly I think that the, the the crime message ended up being not you know certainly not some sort of like universal game changer for Republicans although I think it certainly helped in New York anyway um, but I think a lot of Democrats were able to fend it off but also what was funny about it is that that one of one of the Republican county sheriffs was uh, I think it was the Merced County Sheriff I just can't remember the guy's name but um, he had this just gigantic badge on <laughs> I was talking to a contact about the the ad and they were like yeah i, I mentioned it. he's like oh yeah flavor flame <laughs> this gigantic this gigantic thing so i always thought that was funny so that one sort of stuck with me i, I don't think that you know um in the history of this campaign it's going to go down as like one of the most famous ads or whatever but um i just thought it was a, i thought it was a, an effective ad and it sort of exemplified sort of this broader trend all right and i'll say you know uh i was talking about this uh yesterday today but uh I think a lot of the ads that John Fed and Predman ran in Pennsylvania were just top quality. Uh, one of the ones that stuck with, with uh, that stuck with um, me was kind of towards the end of the campaign. Um, he ran a bunch of these regional ads, and the one he ran in the Scranton area um, had this sort of retired trash man talking. Oh, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm in Scranton. I'm a retired trash man. 
my my uh, family worked hard for a living. Um, and Oz, he's for this tax plan that's only going to help millionaires like himself. The whole kind of backdrop is Oz in these Hollywood photo shoots, you know, just trying to make him seem out of I'm touch. I'm John Fetterman, and I approve this message. My name is Patrick. My family came from coal miners who worked hard for a living. John knows that Washington has forgotten us for too long. John has a plan to fix this economic mess and take on the politicians. Oz, he supports a plan that will raise taxes for senior citizens, the working class, and the military. But of course, it won't raise his taxes. What? As a retired garbage man, we know what to do with out-of-state trash like that. Um, and then the, the uh, last line, in which I thought was really good, he's like, well, you know, as a, uh, as a retired garbage man, we know what to do with out-of-state trash like that. <laughs> and, you know, I just thought that really, uh, that hit a lot of great notes. Uh, maybe, to me, one, one of the worst campaigners, going back to one of my states in North Carolina, uh, is Bo Hines, who kind of like Dr. Oz had some weak connections to the area he was running in. Uh, he does this ad with his grandpa talking about how they, you know, they kind of go, go, go up on a farm. He helped his, you know, when, when, when he was a kid, he grew up uh, where, 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 where his grandpa helped, helped Ben, Ben on a farm, has shots of these kind of farm scenes. Well, like the, the a problem was the farm they taped it on was in Indiana. Um, and I'm like, you know, just as someone who was raised, I'm like, wait, I'm seeing all these pictures of like corn. North Carolina is known for tobacco. So, you know, just another thing that, you know, maybe the ad wasn't bad, too bad in and of itself. But, you know, it gave something for the Democrats to sort of hit him on as sort of not from the area. Um, I, I do want to add in, I, I think one of my, my favorite campaign ads, um, uh, or at least want to give a shout out to it, is uh, for Linda Paulson, who ran in Utah's 12th district. She was a Republican candidate, um, and she granny wrapped her, her campaign platform, whether you agree with her positions or not. Um, uh, you know, it, it was it was truly authentic and 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 unique. <laughs> hey, Utah District 12, listen up right here. There's a new name on the ballot for the Senate this year. My name is Linda Paulson, Republican and awesome. Love God and family and the Constitution. I tried to get another conservative to run. Nobody could do it, so I'm getting it done. I'm pro-religious freedom, pro-life, pro-police. The right to bear arms and the right to free speech. I want less government control and regulation. Want to stop and expose all political corruption. Where's integrity, morality, accountability? Government programs should lead to self-sufficiency and support traditional family as the fundamental unit of society. But in schools, they're pushing for new beliefs. Just to clarify this, because there's some who can't define this, as a female adult, I know what a woman is. I have sort of a confession. So I saw that ad uh, and I gave her a follow on YouTube just because I wanted to see if we had any more content. <laughs> I feel like we should have her as a guest on the podcast and have her rap with us <laughs> or maybe do a theme song. I don't know. <laughs> so let's go into candidate moments. 
Um, uh, I wanted, I do want to start with a listener worst on this. Um, somebody said that they would be very disappointed if we didn't mention the vampires, werewolves, um, or the many times Herschel Walker spoke as collectively among the worst moments in 2022. All right, Kyle, what were your best and worst candidate moments of 2022? Um, I would say just in general, kind of a candidate. I mean, I don't know if it's a specific moment or whatnot. I guess there was a debate moment now that I think about it. But, um, you know, there were just so many Democrats just groaning after the election about how poorly Kathy Hochul ended up doing. I mean, she ended up winning, but um, provided very little support at the top of the ticket. And uh, Republicans did quite well um, in, in a lot of House elections in New York. And, you know, with a 222 to 213 advantage in the House and Democrat, uh, Republicans flipping a bunch of Biden won seats in New York. I mean, you know, may, maybe in a different world, uh, there's a different outcome in the House if um, the Hochul campaign um comes up differently. And I, I'm uh, maybe Miles or Carrie, you remember this. I'm, I'm blanking on it, but I was, I was just sort of speaking generally about Hochul, but she also had kind of a boneheaded moment in one of the debates in which she was downplaying, um, the, uh, you know, the, the crime issue that I think ended up being so successful, ended up being so successful for Lee Zeldin. But uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just blanking on the, the yeah, exact thing she says. I think she said uh, she told Zeldin, he's like, she's he uh, she's like, well, you know, I don't see why you care so much about this issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that that's right. So that was, you know, and again, the candidate still ended up winning, um, but just just a pr- pretty lousy uh, campaign that that I think, again, had ripple effects down the ballot. I'll continue on that string there and talk about one of the worst, I think. Uh, is is kind of towards Independence Day, I think it was. Uh, you had Gavin Newsom running ads in Florida. It's Independence Day, so let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, I think, you know, since the election, there's been, you know, a lot of maybe some ill will towards Newsom from uh, Democrats because, you know, he really didn't do much to lead the top of the ticket. You no, know, the Democrats came short in sort of a lot of the key races in California, uh, and you know he was out trying to work on his national image. You know, it's kind of funny that you know not only did he you know not help the rest of the ticket, uh, but I think Ron DeSantis won by an even big bigger margin than than he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you could sort of look at the Hochul and Newsom together. I mean, Newsom obviously did a lot better than than Hochul did, but. You know, there were just some. I think there were some turnout problems for Democrats in those two states. That maybe if there had been sort of more organizational heft or more money spent, you know, maybe some of those close house races have have a different result. So again, it didn't necessarily matter for the top of the ticket, um, but maybe had some you know cascading effects that might have been important in the house. I don't know if it's a candidate best moment, but we'll give it to the team. I think Team Fetterman did a really 
great job, um, tactically speaking, strategically speaking, um, as he had a stroke and sort of harnessing the power of cameo and social media to keep the campaign going for him. Um, maybe that's really a campaign moment rather than a candidate moment, but, um, uh, I thought I would just throw that in there. <laughs> well, if I can jump here, uh, really quick, uh, one, um, other than this, uh, one other good podcast is called, uh, um, is called the pro politics podcast with, with, uh, Zach McCreary. Um, and I think maybe a week or so after the election, he, ha- uh, one of his, you know, I'm not just saying it's a good podcast because they've had me on there as a guest, but um, a few weeks after the election, uh, he had on Brandon McPhillips, who was Federman's campaign manager, um, and and he sort of had an interesting take on the debate. He was like, well, my kind of contrary take there is that uh, that Federman actually won the debate. Debate. His reasoning was, well, okay, well, you know, obviously it wasn't. Um, you know, obviously, if you were just listen to Fetterman, you would not be impressed to say the least. But everyone already knew he had a stroke, so okay, it wasn't too surprising that he would have issues. Uh, you know, they got the comment from Oz about, yeah, 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 know a woman and her, 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 the doctor and local political leaders. Uh, and they were instantly able to raise like a million dollars off that. So I thought that was an interesting take. Oh, um, okay. My worst campaign moment, um, I think I have to, or worst candidate moments, uh, you know, I think that award goes to um, all of the election deniers, but especially to um, Carrie Lake and the continued use of the quote unquote election has been stolen claims. Um, you know, I think even though the lawsuits are lacking in merit, I'm, you know, particularly concerned about the the rhetorical posturing we're seeing in legal challenges um, filed by election denying candidates and the way those legal challenges are being used both to relitigate the 2020 election even still, um, and also the ongoing um attempts really to sow seeds of doubt about our election system. Like, yes, of course we know we can improve and, you know, challenges happen, but um, I think the continued use of election has been stolen is, is particularly problematic. All right. One final category, campaign moments. Kyle, what were your best and worst campaign moments of 2022? I think one of the best, frankly, and I guess I'll admit to some sort of a rooting interest here, but um, the Georgia Republican primary um, where you had David Perdue running essentially this like basically pointless campaign against the incumbent Brian Kemp. He basically just did it because Donald Trump wanted him to do it, and he seemed to not really um, – put a ton of effort into it and he just got absolutely swatted in that primary. Um, and also Brad Raffensperger, the, you know, the Republican secretary of state kind of surprisingly won, um, you know, one renomination without runoff. And, you know, I, I just, I, I just think that, uh, particularly Raffensperger, you know, we are talking about the sort of election denial stuff. He behaved, I think pretty honorably, um, certainly in the aftermath of 2020. And, uh, you know, and look, I mean, I think for the Republican party, you could point to that primary and say, um, 
basically that that the the right people won at least in those races and they both ended up performing quite well in the general election um raffensperger won by almost 10 points and you know kemp was just very narrowly behind him and then you know you have jeff herschel walker who was just a just a weaker candidate more tied to trump and um of course ended up losing in that uh in in that runoff so just to sort of think back to the primary season and that one also really just stood out because it was you know trump had you know he 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 obviously you know a lot of the people he endorsed ended up winning you know many of them were were uncontested but he did have some you know contested primary winners too but that was sort of a a, a rebuke to trump um and you know what he had been saying about 2020 that uh that i think goes down as sort of a as sort of a positive moment yeah i mean i think it's interesting that camp you know in that primary I mean, he won more kind of going against Trump without Trump's endorsement than he did in 2018 when he had Trump's endorsement. Um, you know, so that was kind of, uh, that was kind of fun, funny. Uh, now I think, you know, I guess this we could kind of say this was a moment or a few moments, but uh, you know, going back to Pennsylvania, I guess, just to kind of spats on a on on here that the odds and the Fed Fed, Fed campaigns had was just. Uh, was just really fun to sit back and watch that. <laughs> and then as a as a worst moment, and it's pretty topical now given what's in the news, but um, I was thinking about some of the money spent by, I guess, people I would describe as maybe like tech bros <laughs> in funding elections. Um, Peter Thiel was sort of more obvious in that, you know, he – he kind of uh, foisted Blake Masters. He and Trump, Donald Trump, anyway. Blake, Blake Masters on Arizona Republicans, and of course, Masters ended up being just a really bad candidate. But also, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, who of course is now, um, you know, was just arrested the other day. He spent just a absurd amount of money on. He spent eleven million dollars on this kind of random candidate um, in the Oregon. I think it was the Oregon Six House primary, and it was just such a weird. Um, uh, a weird use of money, and it ended up being totally unsuccessful. And I mean, I think as we sort of peel the layers of the onion here on the demise of FTX and the demise of Sam Bankman-Fried, we're probably going to be seeing a whole lot of other um, sort of weird um, uh, situations. And so, um, you know, you do have a you know the, the sort of environment in campaign spending now is that you know essentially you could you know anyone can basically spend as much as they want on a certain race if they set up a super PAC or whatever. But that was so strange at the time and. Um, it ends up looking um, even more strange now that we know what was happening with FTX and the sort of house of cards that uh, that Bankman Freed had. So um, that that just didn't, should, I was just thinking about the the sort of uh, all this money spent by these tech guys. I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, kind kind of sticking to money as well. Is I guess this was a bad moment from from the Republican perspective. It's just you now at the start of the Georgia runoff, you had this fight between the uh, you know. Um, between kind of uh, Rick Scott and the NRC, uh, Mitch McConnell and the SLF. Uh, to me, that, you know, I think Walker was probably an underdog anyway, but that didn't set a great tone from the Republicans sort of go, going into it. So I, I had to scrap my worst campaign moment um, when I saw today uh, what President what former president Trump pull out, he's put out, um, he put out, um, he said he was going to have a big announcement on December 15th. And it turned out, um, he's trying to sell his own, um, digital trading Trump cards. Um, so since he has started campaign 2024, I just, I'm going to just throw that one in there, even though it, we were supposed to be focusing on 2022. 
I saw that uh, Liam Donovan reminded me, of, he tweeted this out, of, of this political collectible from when I was a kid, which was they were, they did, their tops did trading cards for the leaders during the Gulf War. So he tweeted out that like President George H.W. Bush tops Persian Gulf War commander in chief <laughs> trading card, which I do actually do remember. I think I was eight, I was seven or eight when that, um, uh, when the Persian Gulf War happened. But uh, uh, at least it made for some funny, um, for some funny memes on on Twitter or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure I still have my my trading cards. I also have a pack of playing cards from George W. Bush's campaign somewhere. Too. Oh well, there was there was the one um, <laughs> the ones that came out that had the the basically like the fugitives from Iraq during the second Gulf War. Somebody somebody posted reminded me of that on on Twitter um, as as uh, as well today. Well, Kyle and Miles, uh, this has been fun. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. We're going to ask one final trivia question for today before we go on a holiday break. Um, In which presidential elections has the national popular vote winner lost to the candidate who placed second in total votes? And as a hint, there are five of them. (laughs) Interesting little addendum to that is that you could basically say all five of the people who ended up losing in that instance were Democrats, although in the first one, the Democratic Party was not necessarily a thing yet. Um, Maybe that gives a little bit of a hint, but, um, uh, uh, you know, again, just a a little bit of history. And, uh, you know, we talked about how some of those had happened during the competitive eras we, we were talking about earlier. The answer to the question, in which presidential elections has the national popular vote winner lost to the candidate who placed second in the total votes, were, of course, 1824, 1876, 1888, 2000, and 2016. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great rest of the year. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone, and good to see some uh, familiar faces in here with the, with the, uh, in the Twitter spaces today. Yeah, thank you. Hi, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Politics is Everything. Editing and production was done by me. Our theme song is Let's Boogie by Chris Fays. Learn more about the Center for Politics and its work to strengthen democracy on our website at centerforpolitics.org. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at center number four politics. You can also send us a recording of your questions or ideas for strengthening democracy to goodpolitics at virginia.edu. Until next time.